Considering a transition to private pay? Thrizer can help you transform out-of-network therapy to look and feel like an in-network experience for your clients. Your clients just pay co-insurance for sessions instead of waiting weeks for reimbursement. Thrizer covers the rest of your fees so you get paid in full up front. Check out our special link, join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thrizer. Is your mental health practice buried in the bottom of Google search results? There's a way out. Simplified SEO Consulting offers a roadmap to search engine success. As mental health professionals, they know how to help therapists attract ideal clients and build a thriving practice. Go to simplifiedseoconsulting.com forward slash modern therapist to learn more and unlock your SEO potential this summer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Verdoy. And following up from last week's episode and talking about politics, we promised you more. And we're here to give that to you today. (laughs) (laughs) We, as mental health professionals, thought that it would be a good episode to look at the differences between the Trump campaign and the Biden campaign's approach to mental health. We have looked uh, a lot of places as far as what the campaigns have promised This is and what they've actually followed through on. Now, this is something where it's a lot easier to look at promises and action by President Trump because of his leadership position here over the last four years. Biden, we can make some assumptions that it's going to fall somewhere near where he was vice president under the Obama administration. So as far as some of the actions, that is where we're potentially going to look at some stuff here. But... This is an episode that is strictly focused on mental health policy and action. Wherever your political ideologies may fall, we're not getting into that. This is kind of a here's some information and here's the way that some of this stuff plays out. So, Katie, where do you want to start on this? I really like the the summary article that you found from the Kaiser Family Foundation. It's COVID-19 mental health in the 2020 election, a review of candidate platforms. I think it has a good summary and we can kind of jump in there. I think that the biggest piece, and I think this is something where I like that you're talking about both promises as well as actions, because I think in looking at an issue, especially if it's it's an issue that someone's bringing t- to the attention of a candidate or a campaign, they're going to say, of course, I support you. And of course, I want to do what's in your best interest. And here's all the wonderful things. And here's all the knowledge that I have. But when we actually look at the the actions and the steps taken, I think that's more indicative of how someone operates. People know what to say. They don't necessarily do the things they say they're going to do. These are politicians whose first job is to get elected. Yes. First and last job for some of them, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like I I watched this, uh, you can cut this if you want, but like I watched this, I don't remember what it was. It was some sort of documentary style something. And it's like most of the time candidates spend most of their time trying to earn money so that they can keep their seat. Like it's 
Oh, and we know this from all of the legislative advocacy work that we've done, where, you know, the the first time that you go and do legislative advocacy, you want to meet the the representative or the candidate sure. or the senator. But the more that you do it, the more you're like, no, they get in the way. Let me talk to the staff person who actually knows what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> they're they're too busy uh, fundraising and, and campaigning. Yes. This is a really screwed up system. So anyway, that's a whole other whole other conversation. So let's get to uh, what people are promising. So this ha- this election has a lot of policy implications for the way that mental health services are going to be funded over the next four years and potentially well beyond that. Now, in the grinding gears of American politics, that some of these budget decisions or things that were decided. You know, even under the Obama administration still now are going to have those effects. There is literally hundreds of hours that this episode could be long in parsing out everything and getting down into a reasonable episode here for you. Using this as kind of the, the foundation of this, things that we want to hit on are funding for various agencies. This is going to include SAMHSA. This is going to include Medicaid, Medicare, funding behind the opioid epidemic, the VA system, and the, the ways that a lot of this information plays out. This episode does not cover a lot of other things that happen to affect people's mental health care. And yes. what I'm talking about is things like immigration and the prison industrial complex. Uh, like we'll, there's so we'll many. Get in, we'll get into prisons here a little bit. <laughs> oh, there's right, a budget right. thing that goes along with that. I actually, I actually figured out where I want to start. Cause I think okay. this is an important thing that if people start getting bored with all the details that we get into, I want them to, to understand this element of it and it's mental health parity. All right. This is something under the Affordable Care Act that uh, was under, first started under the Obama administration that asked for mental health issues to be treated at the same level that medical health issues are and to be reimbursed as such. Which was huge, which was so huge because I think there's been for insurance coverage to to not need all of these special hoops to be jumped through to be able to get reimbursed for mental health care for folks to be able to have access to mental health care. I mean, this has been huge. It's been such an important piece in the Affordable Care Act. According to Biden's campaign website, he said that as president, he would redouble efforts to enforce existing mental health parity laws and expand funding for mental health. He points to his previous role in working under the Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equity Act that was passed in 2008 that required insurance coverage of mental health and substance use disorder service in a way that's equivalent to the coverage for medical and surgical services. This placed certain prohibitions on insurance companies and seems to indicate that a lot of things have happened in the last four years that have moved away from mental health parity. Yes. Yes. President Trump's campaign website doesn't address parity for mental health services. The Trump administration, according to this Kaiser Family Foundation article, the Trump administration has joined Texas and several other states in the Texas versus U.S. Supreme Court case that's recently been agreed to be heard. And this is arguing that the Affordable Care Act should be invalidated. And the Affordable Care Act is what houses a lot of this parity stuff there. Now, this has implications outside of 
things like Medicaid and SAMHSA, but for anybody who's seeing clients with any level of insurance, whether you're paneled in network or providing super bills, this does affect access to people with nothing to replace parity or some sort of standing that says that these insurance companies have to continue funding mental health. And I think the reason that this is so critical to understand is that if the ACA goes away and there's not an adequate replacement and there's not within whatever the replacement is an agreement related to mental health parity, there is no mental health care. And granted, I mean, people with out-of-pocket and that kind of stuff, maybe you don't worry about it, but there are folks who the way they get mental health care is through their insurance. And if they, the insurance companies have already been able to play games around what is covered and not covered. I mean, there's, we could, we could talk about telehealth and those kinds of things and what's covered and not covered. But I think that the, the, the really critical issue is if the ACA is repealed <laughs> and there's nothing behind it, there will be tons of people. And I'm sure there's a number somewhere we could find, but in this, for the sake of time, huge amounts of people will be without mental health care if this goes through. Now, this comes at a time where the the most recent numbers that we're seeing here in this this Kaiser Family Foundation report is that one in three American adults are reporting symptoms of anxiety and depression during the COVID response. Now, last time I checked, COVID isn't going anywhere. And, and the last time I checked was like 13 minutes ago. <laughs> so... So, and this is even from uh, an increase from a couple of months ago where it was one in five people. And so we are seeing that there are effects of what is happening in the world today that is driving a greater demand for mental health services right now. And we're not going to talk about coronavirus response and administration policies that have done that. What we're reporting is these numbers are increasing and people are directly talking about their mental health in relation to where the world is at right now. So one of the big considerations is really can can folks afford the mental health care they need? And in a time of recession and who knows where jobs are going to be, where it's tied to employment, leads us into the next thing, which is Medicaid funding. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that the Trump administration has done is posed some budget cuts. There's some structural reforms to Medicaid that Trump's 2020 budget has put that shifts some of the responsibilities for funding to states. And this was, under their words, to address some of the disparities between uh, states that had expanded Medicaid under the Obama administration versus states that did not. So the states that did not can get some of this money in order to spend. But overall, Medicaid under this Trump budget is reduced by $1.4 trillion over the next 10 years. It uh, also reduces Medicare by $500 billion and Social Security <sighs> Disability Insurance by $10 billion. Medicaid and Medicare are currently the largest payers of behavioral health services in the country. Wow. Now, this also goes along with reducing funding for SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration's programs of regional and national significance by $600 million. Compared to the last year of the Obama budget, SAMHSA's funding was already down in inflation-adjusted dollars by over 8% 
under the Trump administration. You know, this is consistent with a lot of Republican policies of, you know, not having big government programs, and especially in the social services end of things. But, you know, this this goes to, you know, politicians sort of ideas of, you know, you, you cut $100 million here and you cut $100 million there and a billion dollars there. And pretty soon you're starting to talk about some real money. <laughs> this is a whole lot of real money going on here. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I get the, I don't agree with the perspective, but I understand the, the, the viewpoint, the perspective behind decreasing safety net programs. And there's, there's some truly problematic reasons for that, but there's also, you know, if we don't have the funding for these safety net programs, we need to not fund them. However, when we look at reducing funding for mental health services, and we can look at mental health services related to employment rates. I mean, I worked in California's welfare to work program and our goal was providing mental health to folks to help them get to a place where they could return to work. And we had a lot of success. They were, this, this was a program designed to actually support the mental health needs of parents who were on welfare and to defund those things or to decrease funding to Medicaid, to social services, to all these things provides a bigger burden on our society when those folks continue to tap out these resources or end up in places where those resources continue to be needed, whether it's going to the emergency room to get their medical needs taken care of, if it's ending up in the law enforcement, you know, kind of the, the justice, or as Dr. Heath said, the injustice, injustice system. I mean, like they're, if we can support folks getting on their feet, we can do a lot better for our society and, and to decrease all this stuff. <sighs> if you've been considering switching to private pay and are unsure how to attract and retain clients, Thrizer can be your best resource. How? Thrizer actually helps you transform out-of-network therapy to look and feel like an in-network experience for clients with out-of-network benefits. First, Thrizer can help clients instantly verify their out-of-network benefits, providing them complete transparency on the cost of therapy ahead of their first session. Then, just by charging your clients via Thrizer's payment platform, you can automatically submit claims for them, offload all the insurance stress onto Thrizer, and even let your clients just pay their co-insurance for sessions, similar to in-network co-pays, to help them afford therapy upfront and skip the long reimbursement wait. Thrizer covers the rest of your fees, so you get paid in full up front and waits for reimbursement on your client's behalf. They also have a Superbill Uploads feature, which is completely free for therapists. If you'd like to instead offer your clients a resource to manage their own Superbills, they manage all claims end-to-end, -end, so you or your clients don't need to deal with any of the insurance stress. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to start your free trial and receive waived fees for your first $2,500 in payments. So, and wait, there's more. Oh, no. <laughs> Trump's budget discontinued funding for screening, brief intervention, and referral to treatment programs. It eliminated $451 million in other health professional and training programs. Eliminated funding for minor 
or minority fellowship programs at SAMHSA. And then it cuts into other things that have generally been shown to increase people's mental health standing, like cuts to Department of Housing and Urban Development that and uh, programs like SNAP by over 15% each in those situations. Generally, things that have been programs in the past that for every dollar invested tends to save $5 at some point in the future. Now, you brought up the prison industrial complex. Yes. One of the areas where the Trump administration is spending more money is to a program that Mr. Trump has called America's number one service for mental health treatment, our prison and jail system. Oh, my gosh. Uh, like, I don't know how to respond to this because I think that it's kind of just, I guess, leaning into this idea that people who are in prison, whether it's because of the trauma of being in prison or because of mental health concerns that let, led to whatever the situation was that got them in prison, like they need mental health services. So I guess you can just lean into that. But to me, it seems like prevention and some of these early intervention programs would be much stronger than saying, let's wait till they get into prison and then we'll take care of their mental health needs. Yeah. So by comparison, this is going back to the Kaiser Family Foundation article. Vice President Biden's campaign website doesn't specifically address mental health workforce shortages, but in his education plan, he states that he'll double the number of psychologists, guidance counselors, and other mental health professionals in schools. In a survey by the Mental Health for U.S., former Vice President Biden states that he will increase funding for the National Health Service Corps and create partnerships between health centers, high schools, and community colleges in order to encourage youth to pursue health care jobs. And he'll work to build on legislation such as the 21st Century Cures Act and the Opioid Workforce Act of 2019, which address the shortage of mental health and substance use disorder providers. Okay. So so the, the idea here is that Trump will... I guess in, in this article, it says that he had a 24% increase in funding for behavioral health workforce development programs from 2019 to 2020, which would not change for 2021. So there's, you know, there's some money there towards creating behavioral health workforce development. Biden, on the other hand, is talking specifically about programs that would address mental health super early in the, in the system. Schools on all the other stuff that you said. So like there's, there's possibilities for both to increase the mental health workforce. Trump's is more nebulous, but has dollars behind it. And, and Biden and, is actually a plan. And it's hard with Trump because he has put funding out before and then used budget maneuvers to move funding around to not leave the money where it was actually started. We, we saw this with money that had been given to SAMHSA that was amongst the first to be cut when coronavirus funding needed to be started. So Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration stuff was put into healthcare. Now, I'm not in the back rooms of Washington all the time, like very rarely these days, but <laughs> you know, I, I can understand sometimes where some funding decisions need to come from someplace. But sure. we as the mental health professional knew, hey, we're going to be locked down for like six, nine, 12 months. Shit's about to get cray cray. Uh, 
there had to be some mental health policymaker there being like, um, we're going to need this money a little bit later. Well, not even that much later. And this is where things like in 2018, where Trump had given a lot of money to the children's health insurance program and then used a budget maneuver called rescission to eliminate $15 billion overall in, in funding. And that was $7 billion that came from this CHIP program. So just because money is allotted in a budget, what we've seen under the Trump administration is that it doesn't necessarily stay there. Oh, that's so messed up. And so any of the seemingly like positive things that we we have seen, at least as far as on paper in preparation for this episode is, you know, we saw a 2019 to 2020 increase in dealing with the opioid epidemic of going from just shy of $600 million to $2 billion to address the opioid epidemic. But we don't really know where that money has ended up yet. And we don't know if it's being used to actually develop the workforce. You know, Katie and I have been to DC several times to uh, lobby on MFTs and PCCs being added to the Medicare system to specifically address working on the behavioral work end of substance abuse mm-hmm. in relation to the opioid epidemic. And that legislation has not passed. So that that's not you know, particularly, you know, a, a Trump administration thing. That's also no. an Obama administration thing and a W. Bush administration thing. But just because there's money being directed there, we haven't seen where it's shaken out yet. And this is just consistencies within the Trump administration of just because there's dollars there doesn't mean that they're going someplace. Or they are going someplace, just not where you, you don't, just don't know where. So, so we've talked about... Middle health parity. We've talked about the workforce. We've talked about the opioid epidemic. Uh, there's also the the suicide rates and suicide prevention that's in this article. I think this is, in a lot of ways, more of the same. So, so both both Trump and Biden's prevention plans for suicide are, are focused primarily on veterans. To get a little bit more in depth and what Trump is reported to to be doing in this article is that he created an executive order to, to put a task force together. And there is a, uh, an increase in budget for the Department of Veteran Affairs for about 30% more for suicide prevention. And then going back to the, the famous SAMHSA budget, he did put a small increase in funding for this, but as we saw, um, and that's for the proposed 2021 budget, but that's something where Potentially, those those funds would go somewhere else if if Trump deemed it necessary. For Biden, he's got his campaign website has a lot of different initiatives, and it sounds like and going back to and we'll link to this the candidate position of, on uh, the mentalhealthforus.net. Joe Biden actually responded. I don't think any of the other presidential candidates did, so we don't have that. But it seems like there's additional thought in Biden's suicide prevention plan related to the LGBTQ community, especially for youth. And, um, and then also there's, there's other things around, you know, kind of addressing risk factors for suicide. So not directly suicide itself, but PTSD and sexual assault for veterans, current and former service members. So in a lot of these things, there's not a lot of information on 
kind of Trump policy around these things. I went onto his website, President Trump's website, and it just doesn't really talk about mental health. It talks about the opioid crisis and, and what they've done and what they've promised to do. But there's not kind of that specific focus on suicide prevention or mental health that I was able to, to glean from my traversing that website. Whereas it seems like Biden, and I think this is probably true for many people who are coming up as a new candidate, like they have to really lay out more plans and policies. And, and it seems that, that Biden has done so. Feeling like your ideal clients just can't find you online? There's a better way with Simplified SEO Consulting. They're a team of mental health marketing specialists who understand the unique challenges therapists face in the digital world. Forget wasting time on confusing SEO tactics that leave you feeling frustrated and out of the loop. Simplified SEO Consulting offers a range of proven solutions to fit your practice needs, from DIY courses that empower you to take control, to done-with-you coaching that provides expert guidance at every step, to their individualized done-for-you SEO plans that let you focus on your clients while they handle the details. Plus, they have an innovative content network program that has set practices across the country apart from the rest. When you're ready to start showing up in front of your ideal clients online, the expert team at Simplified SEO Consulting is ready for you. Visit SimplifiedSEOConsulting.com forward slash modern therapist to schedule your free consultation and find the perfect SEO plan to unlock the full potential of your practice. Don't forget to mention Modern Therapist Survival Guide podcast for $100 off your done-for-you SEO onboarding, or use code Modern Therapist for 20% off a DIY SEO course this summer. You know, we, we've done a couple of episodes here on just kind of the ways of suicide rates increasing and you know, a number of things that speak to even our fields, you know, struggle with being able to adapt quickly enough to this. And this goes back into some of that important funding for things like SAMHSA and being able to do the research to help our workforce be able to do this kind of stuff. And when we see the emphasis being placed here, you know, the veterans population is another place where there does end up being some good research that comes out of the VA system as far as statistics for us to be able to look at in developing interventions. But again, it's very difficult when a lot of the funding that's there still has a bunch of hurdles for people to get through in order to even access those services. And, you know, shifting this from kind of budgetary and policy sort of stuff and, you know, expanding this into the dangerous world of taking quotes out of the media (laughs) of just even the ways that the two candidates talk about stuff in general day to day response things. You know, we can look at, you know, even moving beyond suicide here You know, in the first presidential debate, Trump going after Hunter Biden's drug use history. And, you know, at a time when, you know, there's 700,000 people dying a year from accidental overdoses for somebody seeking the president of the United States office to be throwing people under the bus for having weaknesses around substances yeah, uh, is indicative of, you know, just where the priorities lie. Well, and I think, and I don't have it pulled up, but, but. Biden's response about his son was very indicative of his his care as a father, but also a different perspective on it. Yeah, that in Biden's quote basically boiled down to, 
it took a lot for you to get through this and I'm proud of you. Yeah. And, but we've, we've seen this also with other Trump quotes after the Pulse nightclub shooting, he made a call for us to reopen mental institutions. So that way we could just grab people off the street to not wait for them to do something wrong before we just lock them up. We've seen the policy statements or, or the directives from the administration around not allowing the CDC to publish any sort of things dealing with gun violence that's very important within the suicide studies that mm -hmm. unless you're you know behind the closed doors of the CDC, you don't know what the recent levels of gun violence in dealing with attempts of suicide and deaths by suicide that have really come out in these last few years that's important for the research and the interventions by the rest of us in order to be able to do our jobs. Well, and I think even in our episode on mass shooting and mental illness, I we talked about a statement that Trump had made at that time around mental illness causing gun violence and and that's really not true and so there's this this idea that mental illness is this horrible thing that causes very dangerous things to happen and so the the responses that he has is to reopen mental institutions and to fund you know prisons because it's about controlling and and punishing versus prevention and support for natural human responses to trauma and and the mental health concerns that we all face. I mean, one in three right now are struggling with mental health concerns. Like that one in three people don't need to be in a mental institution or go to go to prison. Right. <laughs> like like these things are 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 a natural response to day-to-day -day life. And I think having a, a viewpoint of support versus a viewpoint of punishment and control and those are very different viewpoints. And we hold this in comparison to Biden wanting to normalize the, the people are going to have times where they need mental health care and taking some of the stigma out of it and talking about an article pulled up here from Politico where Biden is talking about the ability to continue to invest in research around the things that we don't know and what we might learn, including you know biomarkers for mental illness and the stages for treatment that might come along that. That's a lot more forward thinking and does include this investment into research and development towards a better overall behavioral healthcare workforce. Based solely on the treatment for mental health care stuff mm -hmm. and, and looking at the potential ripple effects throughout mental health care delivery. If you are somebody who is interested in a publicly funded job, if you are somebody who is interested in in increasing public mental health access, the option is very, very clear of which side of this presidential debate has a investment into our field and improving that access to care. I would even go beyond public health, uh, public mental health. I mean, looking at the ACA and and how much that has impacted both clients and their access to mental health care, as well as therapists and their ability to build practices, insurance-based practices. I think it's across the board. I think there's there's a real 
some real clear guidance on on this issue where I think a lot of modern therapists might fall. Obviously, there are folks who I'm sure have different perspectives and and I will be the first one to admit, and I'm sure Kurt will as well. But we've got a little bit of a bias here because of our own political perspective and that kind of stuff. So this is this is journalistic, but not neutral. <laughs> we did some research, but we we know we're not neutral. But I, I guess the thing that before we close up, I, the thing I want to address is is this idea around whether to vote or not. Because I think there are real impacts. You know, I, I one of my Google searches for this was mental health on the ballot. There are real impacts to both the consumers of mental health services as well as the providers of mental health services to who wins this election. And these things could happen pretty rapidly in one direction or the other in January. I mean, there's there's stuff that is in budget planning. There's stuff that's potentially available by executive order. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I think are, is really important to consider. And I understand that some people don't love the candidate for their party, but they're voting anyway. And there's some people who are, are choosing not to vote because they can't stand behind one candidate or the other because of certain elements. And I feel like my plea is vote anyway. Go vote. I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Bernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Charge your full rate with confidence with Thrizer. Thrizer takes care of 100% of the insurance stress and helps your clients skip the long reimbursement wait, giving you a powerful tool to attract and retain out-of-network clients with ease. Check out our special link, join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thrizer. Feeling stuck with SEO for your therapy practice? There's hope. Head to simplifiedseoconsulting.com forward slash modern therapist and unlock your website's SEO potential with Simplified SEO Consulting. Use code modern therapist for a discount and mention the Modern Therapist Survival Guide podcast for a special offer on done for you SEO this summer. Let's build your dream practice together.